let's get real. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, and welcome to the 10th ever episode of America WK. This is Andrew WK. It's absolutely fantastic to be back with you once again. And I want to get right into it because last episode, episode 9, I ended up running out of time and didn't even get to go into the main topic I wanted to discuss. But we will do that today, I promise you. I have more or less cleared out my whole show so that we can really explore the idea of levels of being, the levels of a person, the three primary levels of a human being, or perhaps there's more, and we're going to get into that as deep as we possibly can. But first, just by way of catching up with you, I wanted to talk about some of the things that have been on my mind, some uh, recent experiences that led me to come across some new understandings personally. wanted to share those with you, see what you thought. As always, thank you very much for your questions, your comments, for writing in and sharing your thoughts, uh, also your input and suggestions for how the show works. I still consider this all the very beginning, and I don't know if that's good or bad, but this still seems like we're just at the very start of this entire relationship, this entire endeavor, this adventure of having a show. Whatever this show is, America WK, I still feel it's in its infancy, not even in its childhood, certainly not in its adolescence and certainly nowhere near adulthood or any kind of maturity. But that's okay because there's great things, actually invaluable things that occur in the infancy of anything. In fact, of course, as we're aware, you have to go through infancy in order to go anywhere else. It all starts with that. Isn't that interesting, too, that... When we do begin any adventure, including just the most basic adventure of life itself, being a baby, you have to start with nothing. You have to start with very little, or perhaps very much, but we have to explore what we already have or allow it to be presented or or revealed to us uh, so that we can learn to use it. I suppose in many ways, we have a great deal of potential right off the bat just by the nature of being a human and then we sort of learn how to do it how to be it how to take advantage of these attributes that a human being has we're going to get into that quite quite deeper quite a bit deeper but first i wanted to briefly tell you about an experience i had and see what you think i don't think we've ever discussed this before but uh in case you weren't aware i am a rock and roll musician, I was going to say first and foremost, um, but that's not necessarily first and foremost what I am. I guess first and foremost, I'm a person. But I played rock music, specifically keyboard and singing, uh, to this very day, touring around. This is uh, really how I've gotten to do anything else that I've done, including this show. It all started with being a rock singer, a rock front man, Andrew WK. And... One of the things that I've certainly enjoyed about 
doing this, about touring around uh, the world, is interacting with people and meeting people and talking with people in all different forms, in all different capacities, in all sorts of different situations with many different dynamics. Almost, I'd say, every possible dynamic, uh, different sort of relationship uh, gets to be enjoyed through this industry, this entertainment industry. Um, Certainly, I am most thankful for that opportunity, Uh, getting to meet people, getting to interact with people, getting to do what I do with people. That is what I'm most thankful for out of all of it. I love playing music, and in many ways, music is an end in itself, but it's also a means to the end of people. It's a means to well, not the end of people, the beginning of a relationship with a person, uh, the beginning of a connect, uh, connection with that person. But in a way, that is uh, the ultimate end that we're all striving for. Some sort of meaning, some sort of interaction, even with yourself, or perhaps with the ultimate being of all, whoever or whatever that may be. And we can sort of fathom and explore that ultimate interaction through our interactions with others. And I think I've learned more about myself through other people than I ever could have if I just sat alone all the time. Certainly nothing wrong with being alone. Certainly a lot to be gained in quiet contemplation and introspection. But it is amazing how much you can get out of just uh, even the most casual interactions with other people. It just inspires a different level of thought, a different kind of consideration. And uh, one thing that I've noticed, and this is the situation or experience I wanted to specifically share, was this idea of not just giving people the benefit of the doubt, but when interacting with people, really being careful of our expectations, the expectations that we have for that person, the expectations that we have for the interaction, and doing our best to go easy on that person, go easy on the interaction, go easy on ourselves to a degree, cut people, including yourself, slack, give them some space, give yourself some space to maneuver. But most of all, try as much as possible and in the best way to not take these interactions personally. Now, right off the bat, that seems contradictory. It seems that when interacting on a personal level with another person, being a person yourself, it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to not take it personally. But I mean so much as to not necessarily judge the interaction in a personal way, to not wonder how that person thinks of you to not necessarily go too deep into how you think of that person, to not necessarily contrast and compare the way they behave with the way you behaved, the way someone else maybe has behaved. I'll give you an example. Uh, on tour, I've, again, had the pleasure of, of not just meeting uh, all kinds of people, but working very closely with people. And sometimes that's for a short time. Like I'll tour a certain part of the world, for example, and during that tour, we'll play a series of concerts, different venues, with a a specific team of people that is uh, local to that area, natives of that land. So if you go to Japan, you might have a team of Japanese tour managers with you 
uh, maybe from the record label, from the venues, from the um, agency who has booked the tour, the promoters. And so uh, in different countries in Europe, Australia, of course, in the U.S., um, in England, I've worked with different people. Now, out of consideration for the story I'm about to tell, I'm not going to say exactly where this was or who it was with. It doesn't really matter so much. But I had developed a relationship over the course of a probably three-week-long tour with one individual who was essentially acting as a tour manager. And I really liked this guy. I really thought he was, well, first and foremost, great at what he did. I thought he was extremely professional. He was organized. He did all the tasks that he was required to do, and then some. He really went above and beyond to do a great job for me, for our shows, for my band, for everything we were doing. And I found myself uh, liking this guy so much that I wanted to make sure he liked us too. I mean, of course, to a degree, he was assigned uh, this job from his company, the larger company that he worked with. He, of course, could have said no, but it wasn't as though he chose us out of anybody. It was a bit of a an assignment. And of course, he wanted to do a good job. But it, it, it was important to me for some reason, I guess in a kind of self-conscious reason, uh, that he liked us or liked us as much as, as we liked him or that he was enjoying himself, that he was happy with it. Because at times, to be honest, I couldn't tell. At times, I felt like we were annoying him. At times, I felt like I specifically was rubbing him the wrong way somehow, and I tried to think very long and hard about what I possibly could be doing to offend him or to bother him or to annoy him. At other times, I would try to just sort of forget about all that and just focus on the work we had to do and stop wondering if he was enjoying himself. Maybe it didn't really matter if he was. He was doing a good job either way. But I just couldn't let go of this need to know how he felt about working with me, working with our whole group. This is America WK. I'm going to come back into this. We're talking about personal interactions. Thank you very much. See you in a moment. America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. And they said the men holding the signs reading stuff like Judaism prohibits homosexuality had a logo of the Jewish Political Action Committee said the problem was the guys were obviously Hispanic and they're very confused. So they did some investigating and it turns out the guys holding the signs were paid Mexican day laborers to protest. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Thank you very much for being with me. Before the break there, I was talking about personal interactions. In this case, a work relationship, a short-term work relationship where my rock and roll band and I have these very intensive but brief professional relationships with different people, especially while we're on tour, we will work with a team of people on the shows, either in a sound man capacity, a tour 
manager capacity, different people helping in different ways for us to put on shows in different parts of the world. And you go through a lot with that person. So even if you didn't know them at all, had never met them before, after even just two or three shows, you have spent such intensive time together that you can't help but develop a relationship. It might not even be a good relationship, but there is a connection there that is unique to that time in your life and to that situation you're in. I've not really noticed this in any other sort of professional capacity, at least other jobs I've had. Um, even jobs I really liked, where I really liked who I worked with, it wasn't the same ever as something about traveling maybe um, bonds you with someone. Or maybe it's just the nature of performing and doing something creative. There's a, a level of exposure there, a vulnerability um, that everyone sort of feels or is involved in that forces you to let your guard down in a way that allows you to get closer or to get closer with uh, bad results too. So it's it's an intense atmosphere, but it can be very good. And as I was saying, I had a relationship with this tour manager where I thought he was doing a fantastic job. I really liked him and I wanted to understand if he liked us. Now, of course, I could ask him, are you having a nice time? Uh, are you enjoying this? Is there anything we can do to make this better for you? I mean, of course, he's working for us, but we're actually more like a team. It's not so much a boss where he's my employee. It's more like we are all part of one big effort with each of us having a different part to play, but trying to uh, all get across that same finish line, which is putting on a successful show. And again, I, I found myself getting uh, slightly obsessed with the need to have him appreciate us, the, this kind of petty need to know that he was enjoying himself, which really didn't matter. I mean, if I was very honest, even back then, I could say clearly that this guy could not necessarily like me or the music or my band and still do a good job. And it, it's not that important that he be happy with it necessarily. Of course, I would have liked that, but he could certainly do a, just as good a job and not necessarily feel any of those kind of more emotional connections that we were feeling. I mean, we had worked with enough different kinds of people that when we did get someone who was very professional, very organized, really helped put on a good show for us, we were very thankful. I mean, we took notice right away. But it was harder to, to know what he thought of us. So eventually I, re I realized all I could do was just say thank you to him, express how grateful we were for his good work, and just leave him alone. Because if there was one way to annoy him or push him away, it was probably by being overbearing, asking too much how he was doing, trying too hard to befriend him or uh, entertain him. And through that letting go, uh, forcing myself to reduce my expectations uh, of him. I mean, it's sort of like when you like someone a, a lot, you want to be friends with them. And, and it's a strange situation when you realize that it, that just might not happen. And it might not even be because they don't like you or they have a problem with you. It just might not be meant to happen. And then again, that doesn't mean you can't do a good job together or even have a good interaction or relationship, however it may be. 
Uh, it just might not take the shape that you have idealized in your mind. And I tried not to take that personally. And what I realized was, you know, who knows what's going on with this guy? This guy, this tour manager, despite doing this fantastic job, maybe he's someone actually I wouldn't even want to be friends with. Maybe he's doing me a favor. Maybe he's saying, hey, you don't want to get mixed up with a person like me. Let's just keep our work straight and do a good job and let me go my way and you guys go your ways. That could have absolutely been the case, and that, that crossed my mind. Uh, but I couldn't shake deep down inside the feeling that somehow he was annoyed by us um, and just had a problem with us. And again, that could just be as simple as personal taste. Maybe he didn't like our sense of humor, our collective sense of humor. Maybe he didn't certainly easily could have not liked our music, which I would have understood you know, right away. Maybe I had said something that I'll never know and offended him. All those things were possible, and I was able to let it go. At least enough to get through the rest of the tour and stop pining over it. Well, years passed, uh, maybe two or three years, and I found myself back in the same part of the world for another tour. This time, I was assigned a different tour manager from the same company. And right away, I wondered, or it seemed to me at the time, to confirm the fact that I had been right and that tour manager that we liked so much from before really didn't enjoy our company and didn't want to work with us. And I, I thought, well, there you go. All my questions are answered. Uh, this new guy that we have, he's nice. He's fine. I have no problem with him. But at least now I know that the other guy that we liked didn't like us, or he would have worked with us again. He was still with the company. He went and was working with a different group. He was still active. He just obviously didn't want to be around us. And it sort of hurt my feelings in a way, but I kind of at least was satisfied that for once and for all, I had an answer. It seemed to take away that, that painful mystery and confusion that is so often uh, the source of emotional stress for so many of us. Well, during this tour with this new tour manager, we went and played some festival shows that involved many different groups, many different artists and acts, all playing together on different stages at different times, but in the same general festival grounds. And sure enough, backstage, I was in a situation where I saw this old tour manager from across the way. And was in one of those moments where I felt a little awkward. Should I say hello? And I figured, again, this is all a very professional atmosphere. It would be completely fine just to say hi to this guy. And I casually walked by him and said hello, said his name, asked how he was doing. And he more or less blew me off. I don't even think he really stopped to register that I had greeted him. I think he just said, yep, hi, how are you? And that was it. Now, again, if this was just someone I'd casually met once or twice, that would have been completely understandable. But I had spent dozens of hours uh, with this person, working almost for a month long, doing all kinds of stuff, uh, including doing these shows. And I was really shocked and taken aback by that reaction. Um, it didn't just seem like he was didn't want to talk to me. He seemed like he was generally upset towards me. Again, I took all of this stuff so personally, so directed towards me. Well, lo and behold, 
I found out through talking to some other folks uh, in the midst of my deep concern after that interaction that this gentleman, this tour manager, had been struggling personally with extreme family situations, including severe illness of the people closest to him, all throughout the time that he had originally worked with us and had done such a good job and been professional, although maybe seemed a little unhappy. But then actually, when I just saw him again those years later, more recently, and he sort of blew me off, that his, his father had just passed away, I think that day. And of course, it never occurred to me in my completely self-centered, completely obsessed, uh, petty mindset that this gentleman could be dealing with all kinds of stuff that I would never know about, that has nothing to do with me or even to do with what we're engaged in. And I was completely embarrassed. And that changed the way I thought from then on out. I realized that it doesn't always have to do with me. For crying out loud, it doesn't always have to do with even what we're doing. People are going through things that I could not even imagine. So cut people some slack and don't take things so personally. This is America WK. We will be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. The point here and how it's always been pitched, and look, I'm fine with, with this argument, but you need to apply it fully, yep. which is, look, you might not be gay. You might not understand being gay. You might not find other men attractive, or if you're a woman, other women attractive. That's fine. What you need to do is understand, I do, let me do my thing. That's the argument. I didn't realize you were... Well, I was, I was speaking in the third uh, person. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to America WK with Andrew WK. All right, we're back on America WK. This is Andrew WK. We were just finishing up this story about some interactions and work relationships I'd had with different people uh, that I took very personally. And it was very embarrassing and humiliating when I realized that I wasn't the center of the universe, not just for my own life, but I'm certainly not the center of the universe in these other people's lives and that they could be going through all kinds of personal situations that have nothing or little to do with the work that we're both involved in that could be affecting their moods that they could be dealing with and that I shouldn't always assume that whatever mood they're in has anything to do with me for better or worse. I might not be able to cheer them up. I also might not be able to upset them because they're dealing with other stuff. This is Something that was so obvious, but I, again, I'm just very embarrassed that it was so hard for me to consider that I'm not the cause of someone's mood. It could be all kinds of other stuff, and I should never even imagine that I have that much uh, power to influence other people's moods that I'm working with. And if I do, I would hope it only would be for the the better to improve someone's mood, but if if, even if I worsened it, I shouldn't assume that they even care that much about that. So and I've, I've been able to apply that 
type of thinking to all kinds of situations. Um, and it's really been helpful for me to always, essentially the easy way to think of it is just to give people the benefit of the doubt. To never assume too much, to try to keep an open mind about what situation they may be in. And it may not be even a specific circumstance that they're going through at that moment. It may be the accumulation of many years of different experiences or conditions or circumstances or events that have led to them being in the state they are when you interact with them. But I was always assuming that it had something to do with me in a good way or a bad way or in some way. And it's some, most of the time it has nothing to do with me at all or with any of us. People, each of us really is in our own world for better or worse. And if we can relate to that personally for ourselves, then we should be able to imagine that other people are in some version of that themselves as well. In, in a way that's good, actually, in a way that sort of gives each person that kind of discreet independence to be themselves to feel the way they feel for their own reasons and that it doesn't have to be so important that we influence or have impact on each other all the time there's enough going on anyway so uh, just real quick other ways I've used that is I think I've talked about this before with driving I mean if someone's driving kind of crazy and they're in a huge rush or speeding or doing something nutty, I try to assume, well, maybe they're a doctor. Maybe they're about to go perform some life-saving surgery. Maybe they're an undercover police officer. And if I flash my lights at them, they'll pull me over. Maybe it's uh, a mom racing to the hospital to, to go see their son or racing to uh, go watch their daughter give birth for the first time or, or something like that. It, just again, who knows? Why should I just assume that they're trying to be rude because they cut me off and they have a problem with me or they're being inconsiderate? Maybe they're in some other situation that I just don't know anything about. Uh, maybe someone who appears to be rude in another situation or have a problem with me, maybe who knows what they're going through. Maybe they didn't have the good fortune to be taught even manners the same way that, that some of us have been taught. I mean, again, you can take this to many extremes, I guess, ultimately, you're trying to have this kind of endless patience, compassion, and understanding, and starting from a place where you give people the benefit of the doubt. You assume, if you're going to assume anything, we try to assume the best about that person. And it's challenging, but when it really happens, as it happened to me with that particular work relationship, it made it very very clear that, wow, I really was wrong. I was really distorting things. This person had a whole world, of course, of their own, a whole life that had nothing to do with me. It was very humbling. So I just wanted to share that because I'd gone in through some recent situations over these last few days where I had disappointed people because of things that I had been going through. And maybe they had or hadn't considered that uh, whatever I was doing didn't necessarily have to do with them, but had to do with something far different from uh, that immediate situation, far removed from what we were both engaged in, and that they shouldn't take it personally. We've all got to try to be at our best at all times. It takes a lot of energy, uh, but the more that we can do it, the more hopefully we snap into it with less effort. We get more efficient in these these ongoing efforts to 
be better, to be more patient, to be smarter, to think more clearly. And, and it's usually there. It's usually there. The effort is actually clearing out all the nonsense, all the wrong ideas, all the emotional exaggerated responses and, and thoughts, all the anger, all the lowness. That's what takes actual energy. The, the truth is just there. And it's all cluttered with all the non-truth, all the nonsense, all the BS that stands in the way of it. All the energy is 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 really best spent just trying to clear all that out so what is so obvious and true can shine clearly and be seen without really any extra effort. So, uh, before we get into this four levels, and I promise today that I will not get so long-winded and rambling on my other notes here, the things I... You know, I make these notes of what I want to talk to you about as the week goes on. And I, I, again, I can't overstate how satisfying it is to, to be able to have a, an experience like that or to be able to, to have those thoughts and, to myself and then realize that in just a few days I'm going to get to share them with you. It's, it's, I've actually never really had anything quite like this, this kind of friendship. It's like a pen pal. I mean, that's probably the closest I've had. It's like a pen pal where you can sort of write, or it's like a journal or a diary. Uh, I guess for better or worse, you're sort of like my journal. But I consider it a real privilege, so thank you for being that. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about these levels of a person. And we've already touched on some of it in past episodes in a more abstract way. This kind of orders it, organizes these aspects of what a person is in their... It's or, organizing the inner world to a degree. Um, in a, a, a series of levels from what we would call lower to higher. And it's just an exercise, really, an illustration, a map, uh, a way to interpret and consider ideas that are sort of hard to really visualize. It's great to be able to create uh, an illustration like this. Uh, so we're going to get into that for the majority of this episode, but there was one more topic I wanted to discuss with you, and that was sort of the ups and downs of life. I've been feeling many ups and downs. Maybe you have as well. We're going to get into that in detail. I have a new spin on it, a way I hadn't thought about it before. Right when we get back, this is America WK. America WK with your host, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Matt Walsh. You could definitely make a good argument for taking the Confederate flag down from public property like state houses and that sort of thing. But I would argue that now, right now, is the worst time to take it down. Because if you remove it now, the only reason you're removing it, and there could have been all these other good reasons, but the only reason you're removing it now is simply in response to what Dylan Roof did. Matt Walsh. Available on demand anytime at theblaze.com slash radio. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew W.K. Welcome back to America W.K. My name is Andrew W.K. Thank you very much for joining me for this weekly episode number 10. And uh, before the break there, I had 
mentioned, I wanted to share with you a new perspective I had on sort of the ups and downs of life, the emotional ups and downs, the physical ups and downs, the mental ups and downs, just the highs and lows. And as you've probably heard, it's sometimes compared to a roller coaster ride. And I'm someone who loves roller coasters. So I've always appreciated using roller coasters to uh, sort of illustrate the ups and downs of life or just sort of excitement in general. Um, going up a roller coaster hill is very interesting because it's usually quite slow and even tedious. Uh, there's a lot of anticipation. If you're going on a, a traditional roller coaster that uses a chain mechanism to pull the car up, there's a clacking, a tick, 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 as you approach the peak of the hill and then uh, this in incredible release and almost sort of a silence as you crest that hill and then go down. But it's interesting because in a roller coaster, in some ways, the most exciting parts of that ride are the going downs. And when I was thinking about this ups and downs with life, like why do there have to be these low moments? Why can't I just feel good all the time? Because as I've mentioned many times on this show, I'm someone who has struggled desperately. That's the best way to put it. Desperately struggled to be positive. All of my natural feelings or so it seems to me, have been what I would call not positive. Whether they're negative, angry, depressed, sad, hateful, uh, frustrated, confused, uh, jealous, I mean, every embarrassed, uh, feelings of defeat, feelings of insecurity, feelings of disillusionment. Those were the feelings that I felt most familiar with. And then there were these elusive high points where I didn't feel that at all. There were very rarely moments when I felt neither good or bad. Uh, and I'm aware, of course, of the ideas of bipolar and manic depression and things like that. I, I'm not proud of my unfamiliarity, really, because I don't know that much about it. But I try to go into these situations personally with the sense that these feelings, these inner struggles of mine, at least, are to teach me something, that they're not pointless, they're not an accident, they're not some fluke, and that there's something to be gained from them. These can be turned into something good. And I believe that most uh, of all because I've been able to do it. I mean, as I've said many times, all the motivation I've ever had has come from trying to overcome how bad I've felt. It's been the main and most primal, most powerful uh, reason for me to do almost anything was to try to feel better. That's why I started doing music. That's why I'm even talking to you about these ideas uh, on this show. That's why I've ever wanted to strive for anything in life was to try to overcome my weakness. So I've grown very attached to it in that way because it's something I've been able to turn to for better or worse many times when I didn't otherwise feel like I had the power to do anything. I could work myself up through bad feelings to actually get to good feelings. And thinking of these ups and downs, the down part in a roller coaster is some of the most exciting part. It's, it's, it, the ride wouldn't be good at all 
if it was just on a flat plane, what people might call balanced. I don't at in any way discourage someone from trying to attain balance in their own life. This is just from my own personal experience. I'm just telling you my feelings about this. Um, but I'm not an expert, barely an expert on myself. But those, uh, those high moments, of course, they were thrilling. But they added that dynamic, that contrast to the lows and vice versa. And sometimes the highs, in a way, were kind of boring, just kind of like going up that roller coaster hill. There was something less intense than even parts of the going down, the crash, the crashing down. Um, I've always felt that I've done my best work when I was off balance, not out of balance, but off balance, where I had to use my resources to get balance, to catch myself before I would trip, essentially. I mean, if you have a strong core, as they say, in a physical sense in your body, strong abdomen or whatever, you can help catch yourself and maintain balance in situations where you would be thrown off balance. But that to me is much more exciting or, or, or fulfilling than creating a scenario where you don't have to have any balance at all because you're just laying flat, essentially. I pray personally for the strength to have all the highs and all the lows and everything in between to have the, the, the skills, the emotional, physical, mental skills, uh, the, the, the arsenal of skills to be very off balance and off kilter and yet move forward uh, and not have to give away any of it. This is just my personal feeling. And maybe I'll change my mind someday and maybe I'll see some other way that makes more sense. It's not the easiest way that I'm aware of. This is not an easy way to approach life. It is very intense. But I, if you're someone who can relate to this, I encourage you to always be looking at these ups and downs in ways that shed new light on them, that perhaps reveal values, that allow us to look at them as day and night, as two sides of one coin, of two qualities that are both essential, that life shouldn't always be one way or the other, that everything counts as far as life goes, and everything has something to gain, uh, or there's something to gain from everything we go through. However you want to deal with that is up to you. It's America WK. We'll be right back. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. The three branches of government that we learned forever, right? The executive, the legislative, and the judicial, the three branches of government have now become the three departments of government. The legislative branch and the judicial branch all, and the executive branch all work on the same team as opposed to checking each other to protect our liberty. They now work in tandem to promote their agenda. Very different. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back. It's America WK. This is Andrew WK with you, talking about ups and downs, highs and lows. And I was just thinking during the break, 
the whole world, if we look at it, uh, if we look at outer space, everything around us is composed of dynamics, of contrasts, of highs and lows, of ups and downs. Even if it's as simple as uh, a mountain peak and then an extreme gorge in the ocean. Uh, there's very few places anywhere we see just complete, perfect uh balance or what we might call a flat line uh even you know in space there's huge portions of empty essentially empty space uh and then huge areas of density with extraordinarily large amounts of energy and matter why should the human be any different why should the human experience be anything other than this ex same dynamic type of reality uh, highs and lows peaks and valleys empty space and space that is jam-packed. So with all this, as I was saying, I pray for the strength to be it all and go through it. To not give out, to not give up, to not need to cut away parts of life because they're too hard. But to, to pass the test, to attain new levels of ability that allow you to live the whole thing this whole thing called life and that when it hurts and it's really intense that we still can somehow keep moving keep going forward we just it's okay to even go into autopilot at times i think that's that's there's all types of methods that we can use so that we don't stop so that we don't give up and tap out there's all sorts of tricks, little games. They're all tests. Can we pass the test? I can tell you there's been times where for many days I've just felt very sad and very depressed, but I didn't stop doing what I had to do or what I wanted to do. You know what? That's when this idea of having a mission really comes in handy. This, 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 this obligation that even with your own personal struggles, you're you're loyal to something bigger and better than yourself. This is where faith comes in. You're, you're thankful for your life so that even when you don't necessarily feel the ability to appreciate it, you are loyal to the thing that gave you the chance to have the life that you might not even appreciate, but you keep on living. Even when it's hard uh, to have a quest to have people counting on you, to believe in something that is bigger than your problems or bigger than the pain or bigger than your concerns or bigger, bigger than the struggle, more, more important than the difficulty, then you can push through. Even if it just takes complete blind will, just willpower and effort, sheer effort, it can be done. That is my situation. And again, it sh should it be this hard? Should it be this hard? Well, for some people it is. And I personally just think for whatever reason, this is the, this is the path that I'm supposed to go on. Some people are, we're all supposed to learn how to be ourselves. And some of us learn through what I'm describing. Others learn through having a very easy time with those uh, emotional or inner life kind of ordeals that I'm describing. Other people are meant to learn and grow and discover the meaning of life in a totally unrelated situations and dealing with circumstances that I haven't described to uh, at all or could even relate to. We each have our path. That path seems to be a combination of what we decide for ourselves and what we are, what has been decided for us by de destiny or fate. 
it's we're pushing along the path, but we're also being pulled along the path. And you hope the direction you're pushing is also the direction that you're being pulled, because then you really get to move at a good clip. All right, so that's my notes for this week. Those are the things that I had been pondering in the quiet moments of the day. While traveling, while sitting and thinking to myself, I've been playing a lot of shows over these last few days, and a lot of times I think about these ideas right after I get off stage. I'm completely soaked in sweat. In fact, my clothes are still wet from the show I played last night. Even despite the fact I put them, what I thought would dry them out, uh, hung them on a a hanger and put them in the the sun in in the car as we were traveling, they are still damp. Uh, People sometimes have thought I dump water on myself during the show. I do not. It is my body's own internal shower, showering out from within. It's a deep inner water spray that uh, pumps out through the pores. I used to not shower uh, a lot. I'm not proud of this. Uh, Probably much to the dismay of people I was traveling with, I thought that I didn't need to shower because I was sweating every day. Talk about contrary reasoning. I thought, well, why should I shower when I just got soaking wet, I thought of sweat as <laughs> nature's own shower, my body's own built-in shower. And I was able actually to do this. I, I thought so. Uh, I was, thought I was successfully not showering, improving my point. Up until about two weeks in on one tour, this was probably back in 2004, I developed a full-body rash. And that was very uncomfortable, very itchy. I'd never had a full-body rash. It was pretty obvious that it was due to not bathing and sweating every day and just being on tour where there's a lot of activity and filth and exposure to the world. So I had to take some Epsom salt baths and uh, heal my body and my skin. So after that, I learned to shower a bit more. Still not my favorite thing, but actually, even showering... Sometimes you, you sing in the shower. I try. To, I often find myself thinking about the ideas that we discuss on this show in the shower while using the restroom in general. A little private world, the restroom. Even if you're traveling and using public restrooms, that sacred stall where you get to be just isolated, divided from the rest of the world for a moment with good reason. <laughs> There's a good reason that you are divided away from the rest of the world in that moment so you can take care of the call of nature, body's own garbage production machine. Isn't it amazing that the human body, you can literally put in the best thing in the world, the best food. You can eat gold and out the other end will more or less come the worst thing in the world. I mean, right up there with toxic waste, we turn anything good that we put into us. Of course, we extract uh, very good nutrients from it before we turn it into that. But I just thought that was sort of like reverse lead into gold, gold into something that's even worse than lead. Well, anyway, it's always satisfying to be able to make notes throughout my days and come across ideas. I'm always thinking about you, about what I want to talk with you about next time or what idea might appeal to you or you might find useful. 
not to mention the questions that you write in and the insights that you share with me, which I'm just cannot, cannot express enough how thankful I am for that. And I'll do those episodes uh, every now and then. I decided that would be the best way to do it. Um, just do whole episodes devoted nothing but to questions. Uh, this episode, I've wanted to avoid any specific questions just so I can get this information that uh, I've been thinking about off my mind once and for all. And we're going to get into it now. This is the ideas of levels of being. I mean, here we are more than halfway through the show. I do apologize. I'm always trying to get better at this. Maybe I should just go right into it, but I feel like talking about the ideas, they kind of get me warmed up anyway. So with these ideas of uh, of levels, I, I want to start almost as a disclaimer by saying that I don't traditionally enjoy ordering things from best to worst or from low to high or from right to wrong even. It, it, sometimes it's very useful, and I think this is a situation in which it can be very useful, especially when we're talking about the inner world of a person. I often have a hard time picking favorites, um, ranking things in top 10 lists and stuff like that, favorite songs, favorite movies, favorite food, favorite colors. I don't have one. I have hundreds of favorite things, and I think we all can benefit from that. But this ranking system is pretty interesting, I think, and it involves the inner thoughts, the inner feelings, the inner qualities of a person. We're going to go into it as soon as we get back from this break. Please stay with me, America WK. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Of course, there was the social media shaming, people using this as an opportunity, as sort of self-branding. Yeah, because tweeting about how horrible this is and then saying that somebody else said something stupid about it makes you a better person. We all know this is horrible. And tweeting about it doesn't help anyone. Writing about it on Facebook or anywhere else, that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't bring anyone back. It certainly doesn't help anyone who's in the hospital. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. Let's get into it. These are traditionally described as the levels of a person, of a, a being, a human being specifically. And I think most of this will be already very familiar, but I've really enjoyed thinking about this because it's created a sense of order and a sense of cohesion to that intangible yet very familiar inner world that we each have. So if we're ordering these levels from lowest to highest, they would traditionally go animal, the level of an animal. And this is, again, not an animal outside of a human. This is all within a person. Each person has an animal level, and then a human level, and then a divine level. Now, those three levels are how I've traditionally heard things broken down. And each person, 
or each each basic regular person, the average person, is more or less able to exist in some combination of all three of these levels, dipping back and forth from one to the other, occasionally residing in one uh, for a longer period of time, um, and probably on average spending most of the time in that second level, the human level. But all three of the levels are present at all times. Their presence is palpable at all times. And there's a fourth level that I haven't heard discussed as often in relation to the other three that is also unique to a person. Um, and perhaps to not every person, but it does seem to be an attribute to humanity, certainly for the worse. And that level would actually be below the animal level. Because when we think of an animal, we think of a creature that is very of nature, of the world, very uh, instinctive, very instinctual, very bound up in its own existence and inseparable from it, not able to create distance within its own nature to think about itself, to consider its decisions past a certain point, to do anything other than be a natural animal. And when we look at animals in the wild, we can see how they don't necessarily seem to be contemplating their existence in the same way that a human does. Now, another disclaimer, who really knows what animals are thinking? I mean, who really knows what it's like to be a dog or a lion or a bird? It's really impossible to fathom. And even with our, our most in-depth scientific research, it's still very hard to know what it would be like to be inside the brain of an ant. And at the same time, when we think about these animals, we're, we realize how impressive they are in being exactly what they are. It seems that they don't have the struggles that come with the option of not being what they are. It seems like humans have this choice to not even be human. And that is where this fourth lowest level enters in. It seems that only human beings have been enticed by the ability they have to break away from what is inherently good and natural uh, for their own existence, for their own survival, for the good of themselves and the good of others. This is where things like war would come in, where violence comes in, where unnecessary suffering comes in, where sadistic cruelty comes in, where we can say that, as far as we can tell, no other creature, if, if, if humans are humans and animals are animals, there are no animals that I can think of unless there was some fluke, you know, distorted version of an animal that maybe was suffering from mental illness like or rabies or something. It is never in as intrinsic of a quality in an animal to just cause harm for the sake of it. And it does seem unfortunately, that human beings have been very drawn to causing trouble for the sheer joy of causing trouble. Why is that? This is that level that is, puts us even beneath animals. We are lower than animals. We are lower than the animal part of ourselves. I don't know exactly what to call that except uh, the dark side or evil or subhuman even, sub-animal. It is, it is something unique 
to a person and I can relate to it. I, I, I'm familiar with that side of myself. I'm familiar with my animal side in terms of something that is very instinctual, that doesn't really lead from the mind or the heart, but leads from sort of a survival mechanism. And then I'm familiar with this. And I should say that animal side will have you do things that might be vicious at times, especially if it is a matter of survival. It might push you to uh, behave in ways that seem rather inhuman or inhumane. But the sadistic side is all too human. The evil side, even if we never take part in it, we can fathom it. Someone who gets joy in the suffering of others. This, this feeling seems to be unique to human beings. Why is that? It's something that seems to come with these other powers. These great responsibilities of power also give us these great misuses that they can be uh, used to bring out the absolute worst in us. And that's something that uh, I haven't been able to really understand past a point. It doesn't seem like it would be an evolutionary trait. It doesn't seem like it's something that we learned more recently. It seems like it's been part of the human being since as far as we can tell, the human being emerged with this desire to cause trouble. Uh, and that has perhaps been the main trouble that we find ourselves in now. That it's why we, we feel okay about cheating things. It's all, all the lowest things that we are capable of are not tied up in our animal appetites. They're tied up in this simultaneously higher and lower quality that animals just don't seem to have that force us to uh, really go for the worst thing that we can possibly do. Corruption, lack of integrity, cruelty, uh, meanness, harm, violence, brutality. I guess it's savagery, I guess is, is, is sort of the, 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 the way to put it. Just uh, complete disregard for the beauty of life and using whatever powers we do have as humans for only bad ends. Anyway, so with the understanding that we have these four levels, we could say the, the savage, the animal, the human, and the divine, that each person has these within them to, a, to various degrees, we can see how they start to interact. And what is most notable on first examination is that each one of these levels seems to pull up the level beneath it. So the animal level can actually pull us away from the savage, sadistic, cruel level by showing us that it doesn't help our survival. I think the animal level is most concerned with immediate survival. That's how most animals are. That's how animals in the wild operate. That is their number one priority. They're not too concerned with, uh, I guess, enjoying themselves, and they're not too concerned with causing harm. They're concerned with living and continuing to live and protecting the people around, well, protecting the animals around them. We're talking about levels, or I'm trying to talk about these levels. This is challenging stuff for me. It's America WK. I'll be right back. This is America WK with Andrew WK. 
only on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. How about the President of the United States? All of this directly attributable to the need to control guns. Funny how people are there exercising their First Amendment rights and they use their First Amendment rights to try and kill the Second Amendment rights. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. We're talking about the four levels of being when it comes to a person. The four levels of being found within each person. And despite the fact that one of the levels, well, the first one, the savage level, is completely abhorrent. I don't mean to accuse anyone of being bad in this way. Everyone has these levels. Now, some people, for whatever reason, are more in tune with one of them. But I think most of us are oscillating between at least an awareness of all of them. I think uh, if we were talking about, uh, before the break, this idea that each level pulls the levels beneath it up, we can feel that the divine level, the highest level, is really this magnetic force trying to pull each level beneath it up to itself and eliminate them, to absorb them all in the divine level, that the divine level can cure everything that is beneath it and heal it and bring it into that perfect light at the top of everything. And if the savage level is elevated slightly by the survival qualities of the animal level, the third level, the human level, is probably where most of us dwell. I feel like that's where I dwell the most, which is really the level of being torn between our aspirations for goodness and our awareness of our lower potentials. Now, again, the animal lowness isn't as despicable as the savage lowness. It's not really despicable at all. It has to do with those more inherent, the parts of us that are inherent and natural in their appetites. But when a human gives in too much to the animal side and certainly gives in too much to the savage side, we start to lose track of the divine light that could bring us up to those higher modes of being. It gets obscured in that shadow. And the animal that does, in a way, the animal is naturally divine in so much that it's doing what it's meant to do. But with the human, this third level of a human, it's not always clear what we're meant to do. I think what defines a human being in many ways is this struggle to know what to do of where to go, of what to follow, of what impulse to give into, of what voice to listen to inside, of what purpose to craft for oneself, of what meaning to extract from the confusion around us. This is the level of a human. 
being stuck between polarities, of being trapped within right and wrong, within good and bad, in the center and pulled in all the directions uh, uh, that the world has to pull you in. This is the human experience. It is very intense. It is torturous to a degree, just like being pulled in any direction and then simultaneously in the other direction is painful. How do we remove ourselves from the middle of these extremes? Well, maybe that's what the divine level can do. And that's the level that we can hear most loud and clear. But it's also the level that asks the most of us and is the hardest to live up to. In fact, it may even be impossible to live up to it and still be a human being. Maybe the only people that ever really become divine are not really human at all. They are divine to begin with. Maybe some people are gifted, and we've talked about this in past episodes, their talent is in a natural inclination towards their divine nature. That they're actually not more divine than anyone else, but they're more able to appreciate and be the divinity that's in them. I mean, I really don't think that anyone really is better or worse than anyone else. And that's a intense and very confusing thought in itself. Maybe it's not true. It's just a way that I've enjoyed looking at the world and people is that we barely understand our own self. So how can we possibly understand someone else enough to judge them as being better or worse than anything else? But it does seem that some people are, are talented and gifted in a way that puts them closer to their divine self. Maybe not the divine divine, but the divine that's within them. Maybe not the God or the highest being over everything. Maybe they're not closer to that, but they're closer to whatever that is in them. They're more able to access it. They're more able to let it pull the rest of them up to that level. They're more able to leave their lower selves behind or set those feelings aside and not get caught up in them. Uh, and we all can do that, I think, to a degree. We can all give in or heed the call within us of that better version. I mean, very simple examples is just listening to what you know you should do. I mean, all during today, I was driving for a long time today. This is how it always is, right? I'm always thinking about this stuff when I'm driving. Well, that's just what my life is. It involves a lot of driving. Maybe yours does too. And I'm thankful for those moments because I really do something thinking out the window, uh, looking out the window and thinking about the world. These, these things take on a clarity. There's a quietness that allows you to think about these things. And I was sort of going over all the problems in my head, uh, things I was frustrated about, uh, resentments that I had, disappointments, feelings of uh, general failure. And... All along, no matter how deep I was with, uh, into any one particular frustration, I knew it was basically nonsense. I knew that I, I saw the entire answer, more or less is what I'm saying. Meaning, if, if I just had allowed myself to quiet down inside and stop obsessing and pumping myself up, looking for reasons to feel angry, looking for reasons to get frustrated, not wanting to let go of whatever resentment I had so that I could keep that going. 
I would have just seen very clearly, almost like a bird's eye view of my whole situation and known everything about it. All the answers, the clarity, the divine clarity that sees things as they really are. And and once you see them, you can't help but let go of what doesn't matter. It's almost like it falls from your within your grasp. You cannot hold on to those feelings because they just melt away. And it's it's wanting them to melt away, which is perhaps the most challenging thing to face. So much of uh, my identity has been bound up in those feelings and using those feelings for energy or for motivation, as I was mentioning earlier. But if I'm really honest and I listen to that highest part within me, that highest voice, I don't even consider really me, yet I can hear it in my head if I just calm down and listen for it. It tells me everything. And it tells you everything. It knows everything. It's crazy that it's there. And it really is there. I don't know exactly how it comes to be. I don't think it knows things that I have never experienced. Things that I could not have learned through my day-to-day life. That is this divine level. And it wants us to listen to it. It, 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 But it's very patient. That's the thing. It's In a way, it almost feels like I could kind of care less because it's so patient that it has all the time in the world. We could take many lifetimes even to learn to listen to it, and it would still just bide its time waiting for us when we're ready to heed that inner call to a higher version of, of living. And each of these levels wants to go up to that divine level. We'll be right back. It's America WK. Stay with me. This is America WK, featuring Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo. When you live by the sword, you die by the sword. All your class warfare, once you reach the top of the heap, oh, guess what? You made a living out of demonizing success and people working hard and building up wealth. Now that Mrs. Clinton has some, oh, she makes an obscene, Bill makes an obscene amount of money. Obscene. Some would say immoral. Chris Salcedo. Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. We've been talking about the four levels of a person, four levels of being within each of us. First level, lowest level, being the sadistic, cruel, savage, evil, dark, mean level, however you want to sum that up. The second level being the animal sort of natural survival level. The third level being the one that all of us are most familiar with and stuck in most of the time, the human level, which is really defined by its ability to fathom all the other levels and yet not really adhere to one or the other. And then the fourth level being the divine level, the highest level, the level of infinite uh, universal intelligence, however you want to 
think of it, it is the best and most noble thing that we could ever be. And all of these levels are within all of us. And I wanted to wrap up here by trying to illustrate an example of how I've found these levels to be useful in mapping out my inner world. It's such a chaotic place inside each of us. For most of us, it seems it's hard to even make rhyme or reason of what's going on inside you, let alone uh, contemplate it enough to to think. But this this set of levels, of four levels, I find very, very helpful. So, for example, I may feel a, a very dark and cruel impulse to say something when I'm, let's say, driving with a friend that might sort of elicit uh, the kind, a kind of hurt feelings or a passive-aggressive uh, response from that person to, to engage them in a very casual but very sly way into some kind of hurtful, painful, mean-spirited little game. Again, I would say that it's not an animal instinct. There's nothing uh, that's going to improve my survival or my health or my wellness or help me get by day-to-day from doing that. That is a sinister impulse. Well, the next level up, the animal level, might first alert me to that. It might say, hey, we have driving to do. Don't say this thing. Don't, don't do this. And then right away, automatically, I'm going up to the third level there, the human level, where I'm then suddenly contemplating why I wanted to say it in the first place. The animal level actually alerted me to the futility of this sinister impulse to mess with someone and say something that didn't need to be said just for the sheer joy of causing trouble. And now I'm stuck in this human level pondering why I wanted to do that. And then if I need guidance and to take me forward, I can just start listening for that divine level and hear what it has to say. And not only will it tell me what to do, like all the other levels, because it contains all the other levels being the highest, it will also tell me where to go next and explain to me why. And do it in a tone that is loving and forgiving and all accepting, almost with a sense of humor about how sort of pathetic yet endearing my struggles may be to this higher version of myself. It all probably just thinks it's all a a little bit silly. And before I know it, this initial sadistic impulse was judged and diverted by the animal clarity of survival into the human level of contemplation and then into the divine level of clarity that it did not need to be said and that it was okay that I felt it and it was okay that I learned to withhold saying it. And it it, it, it really can work in almost this one, two, three, four kind of impulse. Now it's kind of pattern, pardon me. Now sometimes the impulses might not be sinister. You might have an animal impulse. Sometimes the survival instincts are so strong that they need to be called into question by the human level. And sometimes the human level confusion and uh, emotional intensity is so strong that it needs to be clarified and pulled into focus by the divine level. But every level benefits by that divine power and is all pulled towards that 
ultimate divine level, like a very, very, very powerful magnet. Hopefully all of our behavior is, is one way or another headed towards that highest potential way to be. And we might have to really stray far at times or push very hard against it, but ultimately you can't fight it. It will get you eventually. And that's wonderful. That's this inherent goodness at the heart of all being that no matter how wrong we may feel and no matter how wrong we may behave, how bad of things we may do, that it's ultimately still going to get sucked towards that perfection. Somehow. We might not see how it's, how it's leading there now. But the more familiar we can be with this inner reality, maybe that'll add some clarity to the outer reality around us. And the confusion we see will be a little less confusing if we think about it as this incredible battle of levels. These sinister instincts, these animal instincts, these human instincts, all ultimately getting pulled towards a divine truth. And I'm working on it as much or more than anyone else. And talking about it with you here, I hope that you can benefit in some way, even if you disagree, of course. You may disagree with all this uh, for many reasons, and I'm sure many of them would be very good reasons. But it may that only just to help uh, help you clarify your own position or what works for you. I just really like talking with you. Thank you very much for another episode of America WK. I will see you in a week. Until then, stay strong, keep on going, and keep on partying. Celebrate life. This is Andrew WK. Thank you. America WK with Andrew WK, the undisputed king of partying. On the Blaze Radio Network. 